Hi everyone, Robbie here. That's right, it's that time again. I have a new book to announce. Dead End, My Zombie Meets Late Stage Capitalism Story is now available for pre-order. Here's a brief description. Joe Amory is broke. He's sleeping on his ex's couch, and the bills for his mom's retirement home won't pay themselves. He doesn't want to work in Niles Fulfillment Center, but it's the only place hiring. Nile is the largest company on earth, selling everything, and their warehouse is infamous for its shoddy treatment of employees. But Joe grits his teeth, takes the job. But there's something suspicious happening at Nile. Joe learns of a new opportunity in research and development. A promotion that pays double his current salary. A chance to dig himself out of debt, one that seems too good to be true. Joe doesn't trust it, and discovers Niall is conducting horrific experiments on their workforce. Hi everybody, this is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I'm fantastic, Robbie. I love talking about uh, hair cuttery and uh, jealous leases. That's totally a thing. Yeah. I not too enthused about this episode in case you couldn't tell. It's this episode is just is just fine. Yeah, like, it's, it's not great, but it's not not nearly as bad as some of the other season twenty two episodes. Just, it's just kind of there. It's like it does. It's it's hard to get excited about. I think that's the thing where there's nothing. We'll get to it. This this week's episode is Homer Scissorhands. Episode NABF thirteen originally aired. Wait a second, Matt. Wait a second. What I what I didn't do the, I didn't do the thing, Matt. I didn't do the thing. The thing. I didn't do the thing. Why am I so dumb? Hi, we at Roddy Bar Sports on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash the Simpson Show. For only two dollars a month, get access to all of our bonus content. For five dollars a month, you get access to that much, much, much more. It's the best deal in podcasting. I'll say it once, say it again. Thank you to everyone who supports us. If you want to help the show, help pay for hosting and all that stuff, we really appreciate it. Go over there and get lots of bonus podcasts for it. Uh, I think this month, I think me and Matt are going to watch Ed Wood. Talk about Ed Wood. Uh, Don't, Matt, yeah, you'll yeah. enjoy. Wait, 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 sorry. Ed Wood is the good version. It's like the. the... Ed, Ed Wood's great. Okay. It's not a good okay. movie. I think Ed Wood is a great movie. Uh, and wow. I can't imagine you not enjoying it, even though you'll probably find a way. This week's episode, Homer Scissorhands episode NABF13, originally aired May 8th, 2011, written by Peter Gaffney and Steve Vixton, directed by Mark Kirkland. Uh, this was Steve Vixton's final television writing credit. Uh, he, before he passed, he co-developed Hey Arnold. Oh, whoa. Okay. All right. Yeah. Interesting. I like where this is going. Uh, well, you saw where it's going. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. Uh it's a received received a two point five rating with five point five million viewers. The chalkboard gag: I do not deserve a Mother's Day gift for being one badass mother. I mean, no Bart doesn't, but Marge definitely does. Sure. The couch gag: The couch is on display at the Smithsonian Museum, a la Archie Bunker's chair. The Simpsons break in and then finally sit down. The the description of this couch gag on Wikipedia does not do the the length of it justice because it's a very long intro where we get them like a tour of the Smithsonian uh, before they finally do get to sit down on the couch. It's 
it's not a bad couch gag, but it is very long, and I makes it's it imme- very long. Like it's actually an interesting couch gag. It just goes on for a really long time. It immediately made me suspicious. I think that's the thing where I went, <laughs> "Why is this so long? Oh no! What are the, is this? Is this a problem with the episode?" And you realize, well, not really a problem per se, but it is. I don't know. It's. I think it definitely. I think the episode would benefit from more time. So I guess it is. That's true. I, well, yeah, because I think one of the things that uh, some of our Patreon subscribers mentioned, and I noticed as well, is that the quote-unquote B plot, aka the plot that the uh, title does not reference, is the more interesting plot and is very cut down to the point where I was like, I wanted that to be the A plot and this B plot to be, or the, the other plot to be very, very B, B-ized. I don't want to put it in the background and, you know, to swap how much time each plot has i mean the problem with both of them matt is neither of them have that there's no explanation for the like that we don't know what's wrong like they need to they needed all both of them need way more to make them i don't know have conflict again i'm we're back to this where this is this episode honestly gets some things right you know, some of it is not bad, but then it, mm-hmm. when you get to the like the meat of the plots, you're just wait a minute, what? Like they jumped to like they skip, they basically just skip where you think scenes would be. You're like, wait a minute, what? What? Why is this? What's happening? Where did this yeah. come out of? So the episode begins with Lisa in the backyard painting Patty and Selma. I didn't know Lisa was an incredible painter. But apparently, apparently she is though because it's taken her a month to paint this like gorgeous paint. Not, not, a, in not the... a month, Matt. Six months. Six months. Okay, six months. And they're in the. She says, "Oh, if you fall asleep, it'll be more neoclassicist than uh, mannerist." So Lisa knows her art history. Let's put it that way. I, I mean, Lisa knowing art history makes a certain kind of sense to me, but that's a very different thing than being a painter. Um, yes. And they just throw again. They're just like, "Hey, whatever." At least it can also be is a great painter, and you're like. Okay, why is why <laughs> why is this the thing? So there's we we get some shenanigans with Bart being causing mischief, which ends up with paint in Patty's hair, and they're trying to get it out while Selma and Patty are still asleep, and uh, they end up Bart pours paint thinner on her hair, which burns through her hair, and would you know it looks awful. She has a giant hole right through the middle of her hair, and they get eventually they get Homer to fix it by just cutting away the paint and the giant hole. Yeah. I'm not sure how that works, but sure. Okay. Sure. Whatever this again, this makes this, if this made, if this was a B plot, it would make a lot more sense for it being, it's very like, it's very elevated, very cartoonish. Um, but Homer cuts her hair with he has hedge trimmers. That's all he has. And he's cutting her hair with hedge trimmers. Does a what seems like a good job. Because when they wake up, Selma asks for a haircut as well. What happened to you? Oh, who undid my do? I didn't do deadly, and certainly not squat. Hmm. Actually, it's kind of cute. You look like posh spice. That's just what I was going for. I was going for scary. You did this? With your fat fingers and your brain the size of a Super Bowl? And stay out. I can't believe I'm saying this. Homer Simpson, do me. 
<laughs> I meant my hair. Oh, oh. Idiot. So this is incredibly impractical, but I guess it's supposed to be the inciting incident that gets us to, oh, Homer's cutting hair now. And see, yeah, Lisa is inexplicably a great, a great painter, and Homer for is a great stylist. I guess so. With just head strippers. Never realized it until now. I'm sure. It, like, again, if this is a B-plot, you could forgive a lot of this nonsense, right? Because it's a B-plot. You could, because it's a B-plot, and that's what it feels like this episode should have been. I, I, see, Matt, I'm not necessarily all that, all that. I'm not, like, willing to commit to that's what this episode should have been, but I think it would be maybe better. Maybe. Um so Selma gets a haircut too. They both get haircuts. They look they look good, I guess. It's very hard sometimes also to like these are cartoon characters. Their hair is absurd at all times anyway. It's hard to tell sometimes what is stylish on a Simpsons character. Cuz Simpsons characters in general are meant to be grotesque. Yeah, they don't look like real people. No, and I like it's a baked into the concept of char- the character designs of the Simpsons. They look grotesque. Like Marge, There's a reason the characters look strange like the way they do is because... So yes, character designs are meant to be are grotesque in general, so it's kind of hard to understand the context of, oh, now their haircuts look better. Um, but whatever, you just kind of accept it. So now we cut over to the... What is the, st- what is the, the B-plot? Which starts in a, a very weird way. Which is Milhouse talking about have finally seeing the beginning of Finding Nemo. The first chapter. You know, the sad part. It's a Pixar movie. The start, the beginning of them are always incredibly sad for some reason. We have to uh-huh. provoke, we have to start every single one with the saddest thing you've ever seen. Um, so we have Milhouse finally seeing it. Milhouse is 10 and he's yet, I guess his, his I guess his mom, I guess the way I just has kept it from him i guess well and bart too because we later find out that bart doesn't know that nemo had a mom either okay (laughs) no it's too sad you can't you can't have children understand death at 10 years old like really 10 by 10 you would get whatever um again but this is all just to get us to millhouse basically deciding he's going to proclaim his love for lisa uh and then in the same clip we're going to get a little bit some Lindsay nagel so I'm going to finally proclaim my love for Lisa. That's your takeaway from Nemo? I think you've already made your feelings for Lisa clear. Well, I can make them more clear. You see, in the past, I've been too subtle. It's my curse. Subtlety! <sighs> Homer, thanks to your unlicensed barbary, Patty and Selma have been getting compliments all day at the DMV. You two look good. Open casket good. <laughs> I hear this is the home of Springfield's hottest hairdresser. I need a haircut, and I need it in three, two, one, now! Lady, I'm not a hairdresser. I just put a new lid on a couple of trash cans. So, I feel I feel like the new lid on a couple of trash cans is a very... It's not a subtle dig, but it's one of the, like, understated ones that Homer rarely does. It's just about as close to an actual joke as we get in this episode, but... True. I did not laugh at anything in this episode. No, goodness, no. Actually, no, no. I think I put in the notes there was one point at which I laughed, and it wasn't something I think I was supposed to. We'll probably get to it eventually. Okay. I I did not laugh. This episode is very boring and bland. There's, like, it is... I think this is what 
people think of when they think of the Al- the latter Algene, like 20 years or so it has yeah. been, where it's like, it mostly feels like a Simpsons episode, sort of. It's just kind of boring, kind of bland. Uh, it doesn't quite make sense, but it's but it's also not incredibly offensive. Um, which is this isn't that either. This isn't full of you know. It, there's no horrible racist or transphobic or homophobic jokes. Uh, the characters are mostly you know themselves, uh, even if they're too competent. You know, especially Homer and this haircutting thing where you're suddenly like, how does he have all this training and how is he running this business? Like they don't, they don't ask any of those questions. They don't care. Um, So Lindsay's there to get a haircut. She's willing to pay $100. And I guess that $100 is the difference. When Homer sees that she'll pay $100 for a haircut, he goes, oh, let's do it then. And he, he cuts her hair in the kitchen. Her hair looks not this, not with the, the head trimmers this time with actual scissors. Yes, this is a sl- somewhat more professional haircut. Um and then we get a flashback to why Hom- that I guess this is the explanation <laughs> to why Homer is a good stylist is because he misses his own hair. Oh yes, yeah, I remember this now. Uh, he always wanted to spend time on his own hair and he never got the chance to. So now he's going to make up for it, I guess. That still doesn't get like that could explain the like desire to be a hairstylist. I would accept that. But not why he's good at it. No, it doesn't translate to skill. It's not like he went to school for it. It's like you have to learn. Like it's not okay. So then we just end the first act with Homer opening a salon in one of the I guess many uh empty storefronts in Springfield. I think it's supposed to be a joke about after the 2008 crash, uh they had a lot of small businesses broke. Very funny, Matt. I laughed, laughed yeah, so hard. Hilarious. Very funny. Oh, we go to our our yeah. first commercial. Eight minutes and thirty three seconds. Uh, when we come back, we have a very painful scene of Milhouse declaring his love to Lisa, uh, where he he uh, has a theremin based tune to the tune of Green Sleeves, I guess, uh, that he tells her how much he loves her over and over again. It does not go well for Millhouse, unfortunately. Uh, but luckily, there's someone there to pick up the slack. So, Lisa, I love you. Is that love requited or un? I'm sorry, but I don't love you, Millhouse, and I never will. <sighs> I thought that was beautiful. You did? Yeah, it was romantic, and it rhymed. Well, I used a rhyming dictionary. But it only gives you options. The job of the poet is to say, this one, I guess. (laughs) I'm Taffy. Would you like to help me roll the theremin back to the AV closet? It's a date. So, yes, we now have Millhouse has a girlfriend, uh, voiced by Kristen Shaw, who does a great job, but she doesn't have much to do because this B-plot is kind of cut off pretty heavily. But she likes Millhouse. Okay, we're going to leave it at that for now. (laughs) <laughs> i mean that's all they tell us matt that's, that's all they, they, that's, that's what all. i'm saying right now that's all they tell us that's all they, that's all we know we do uh we go back to homer cutting hair uh and he's cutting several of the different wives of the Springfield characters we know uh and they're all constantly chit-chatting about their husbands apparently apparently there's not a single woman in springfield who is an introvert and just wants a, a quiet haircut not a single one sure okay whatever simpsons writers 
uh, they're constantly gossiping and complaining to Homer. And when Homer goes home, Marge also wants to chit chat with him because she's been stuck at home alone all day or with Maggie. And so she wants to talk, but he is just too exhausted from listening to other women talk to listen to Marge. This is Matt. This is the only part of this plot that I went, oh, that's human. <laughs> I like I can recognize like that's... it makes sense, right? Is it, if, if this is a a very grandpa joke level thing? Oh, women always be talking. But if you were in a job where you had to talk to people all day and you came home, you probably don't want to talk to people anymore. You want to just relax. That but it is. It is something. I, this is it's relatable. I, it's relatable. My own wife. She is in meetings all day. Okay, she's talking to people a lot when she's done with work. Sometimes she doesn't. Sometimes she just doesn't want to talk. She wants to just relax and and, and you know rel- and, and not talk and be quiet, right? And seeing that on you know on screen, you're like, oh, that's a thing that people deal with. It is like when we're seeing so many Simpsons plots which are so elevated and so absurd. When it, the when we see like just Homer and and to be fair, Homer being so elevated and so absurd and being constantly annoying in this episode, seeing Homer being just like this is feels like a throwback to like season two, right? Where Homer would be just a like kind of more similar to old sitcom dads, right? Where they are just tired after yeah. work and it's not this is not actually the conflict. I guess it's kind of the conflict of this episode of the A plot. Because this is the A plot, despite what we may want. This is the A plot. I guess this is the conflict. But this is kind of the last time that th- this feels down to earth. It does, yes. Because, I mean, this is this is not even really the conflict. The conflict will eventually be that Homer is too in demand and it feels stressed out by the job. Which, okay, that's fine. But, like, you have this whole side thing about Homer that he the women talk too much and then when he gets with his guy friends he can only see all the things that their you know partners have told him about them and it's like you have three problems here with homer having this job and you don't really focus on any of them no they don't choose one so we don't really it's just again it's it's around the subject right they all they did and they do this this is what they do now like i'm we guess we might as well just get used to it they write a, a story a plot oh the plot and the plot point is homer gets a new job the new job is oh he's a stylist so and they just kind of lump stuff in like oh all the ladies all the women he cuts their hair they talk to him all the time so he doesn't want to talk to marge but also he can't quit and also uh he when he looks at all his, all the guy friends all his, all the dudes at mo's all they do all he does is see their problems he doesn't see them as it's harder to see them as what they were before and you're like well one of those things could be a conflict for an episode for this plot but instead they do all of them and you're like and none of them are and and in that process none of them are actually developed it's just like oh here's things look stuff and you're like okay okay, all right i don't sure Mm -hmm. okay yep he also cuts a bridge down with some scissor hair cutting scissors by the way matt oh we haven't gotten to that yet oh yeah so uh, at this point, we go back to uh, Millhouse and Taffy. What a name. Uh, the next day at uh, school, uh, where it is made obvious to Lisa that Millhouse is over him, over her. Hey, Lisa, those books aren't going to pick themselves up. Oh, usually Millhouse does it. Hey, guys. Uh, Lisa, you dropped your books. When you pick them up, make sure you bend your knees. 
You know so much about body mechanics. Well, I've worn a lot of different braces in my time. <sighs> this dame is really into you. She sure is. This morning I got to second base on our walk around the softball diamond. <laughs> Why would a popular fifth grader like Kathy be interested in a mill house like Mill House? Huh? It's one of those mysteries. Like, how do my clothes get clean and put back in my drawers? Well, I'm gonna find out why. Because this is... Oh! Knees, Lisa! Knees! I kind of smiled at the knees, Lisa, knees thing. Uh, but we haven't gotten to where I actually laughed yet. I, uh, so, is it, this is the thing that we're... We are led... This is the beginning where we're led to believe that Taffy is using Millhouse in some way? Well, that is what Lisa's supposition is. is that, like, no way, there's no way that anyone would find Bill House attractive unless they were using him somehow. Which, okay, this shows some deep-seated insecurity in Lisa, uh, because obviously she does not find Millhouse attractive, or does she? This could be a good A-plot uh, of Lisa not believing someone finds Millhouse attractive, and then because she thinks she's being a good friend to him, trying to find this out, and Lisa needs to realize that, oh, yeah, some people just like different stuff, you know? And that would be a very interesting A plot. Unfortunately for us, it's the B plot. And the rest of the, the, the A plot is all over the place. Well, it's the B plot, Matt. And none of this has developed. And later, and like no. the, the, in the way it quote unquote ends is incredibly, is just nonsensical because it comes out of nowhere. Because there's no development for any of this. There's never a hint that, oh, well, Lisa's, is Lisa, why is Lisa doing this? Right? We need a scene. That actually tells us why Lisa wants to investigate Taffy. Is it to protect Millhouse? Is it because she's jealous? Is it a little bit of both? I don't know, because they don't tell us. Nope, and they don't show us either, which could be, you know, interesting. Because Lisa may not know, honestly. So, you know? Yeah, but we we, right. we can only we can only go by what we what are presented, right? We I'm exactly this episode feel, very feels much like in both the A and the B plots is that they expect us just to fill in the blanks in our heads. Uh huh. Okay. It's not very shocking at all. No, not really. Okay. So uh, moving on, we go back to Homer. Uh, he's cutting hair. Uh, over and over and over again. Uh, lots of different women. We have a what's well, kind of a montage of them all. I I really uh, like this vi the visuals of this. It, yes, it's very I, good. I want to point out the visuals in this scene and a couple others, and the music in this episode are both really good. They're completely tertiary to the plot, which has let us down on on several fronts, but they're both actually really good in this episode. The, the, uh, like Robbie said, it's hard with Simpsons hair to differentiate them, <laughs> but I think they do a pretty good job in this. And and the and they transition between the the it gives a good representation of like Homer seeing, you know, an onslaught of customers, mm -hmm. and, and it's thundering here like crazy, an onslaught Same here onslaught of customers, and you know it becomes like a whirlwind, right? Where you just get very busy and very and like it can yeah, and every every and then you can't you can barely tell the customers from one another. And all the stuff they're talking about is like the same things over and over again because it's their only time to talk to you, but everyone talking to you about basically the same stuff. So it kind of gels together in Homer's head until he can't take it anymore. Yeah, and so at that point he you know has a little breakdown. He runs away. Uh, he takes his scissors with him and. Cuts a bunch of dogs loose, cuts a uh, balloon free for Ralph. Then he cuts the steel cables holding up a river or holding up a bridge over a river, causing a whole bunch of wrecks, killing several people. Uh, and the joke is, oh, these are good scissors. I, I can't. I, this is like, it's things like this, Matt, where I go, well, 
But do you not understand that you can't, that's not the same. You can't have Homer no. cut down a bridge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, at this point, we see Homer at Moe's, uh, where he's complaining to the guys, and they say, hey, don't worry, Homer, no one's going to tell you their problems here. No, uh, Homer makes a joke about, oh, you know, it must be awful to have to listen to people's problems all day, and you see Moe, you know, having a very strange smile on his face, because that's also a bartender's job, in addition to a hairdresser's. Uh, but Homer can no longer relate to his friends, because when he looks at them, all he sees is all the things that the woman he, whose hair he's cutting has told him about them. Uh, so that causes him to... Uh, also have yet another breakdown and be unable to relate to them. And that is where we go to a commercial. We come back from commercial at 13 minutes, and 50 seconds. This third act is very, very short. Um, Homer now, and now Matt, we just cut to Homer cl- turning, closing up the start, the, the shop, the, the salon, he's just closing it. Right. There's never, what, why is there not a scene with him and Marge or like, why is there not a scene where he's like, I need to, cl- I have to close it. Right. Like uh, emotional beat here. They're, they, again, they just skip it. They just cut right. They have all these breakdowns happen and they have to include Homer cutting down a bridge with scissors, but we don't have a scene where Homer has to like think about this decision, which would be an inc- big decision, which again, he opens the, the salon without a thought and he closes it without a thought. And, like think about like it's not like the simpsons have never had and all members of the family effectively open and start businesses on whims but like think back to like a twister world of marge simpson right mm-hmm. where marge has to start the pretzel business and she she agonizes over all these business decisions because they are they reflect back on her identity and that is what this is, right? That's what this episode's t- technically about. If it's about Homer cutting hair, it's not really about Homer cutting hair. It is about Homer being good at something. About why does he? They give us a reason why he wants to be, why he wants to cut hair. His own losing his own hair, and you're like, well, develop that. Come on. No, he's just closing up shop, and we yep. get made all the quits. And this is, I can This is the worst scene in this entire episode with Wiggum here. Ooh, that's that's saying a lot, Robbie. You sure about that? <laughs> Here, man, I'm gonna play it for us. We're gonna everyone's oh, gonna okay. everyone's gonna listen to it, and I want to hear an argument otherwise afterwards. Homer, can you make me look fancy? Sorry, Sarah, I'm retired. But tonight's the policeman's ball, and if you let my Sarah down, I can make life very difficult for you. I'd like to see you try. Huh, where are you going? Uh, excuse me. Uh-uh-uh. Come on, would you? No, nah, no. Nah. Oh, boof! I, uh, I can also make very annoying noises. Come on, bro, don't hassle me. Stop that! Okay, okay, you win. I'll teach you how to make love to your wife. What? No, just cut her hair. Right. Yeah, it's definitely no argument for me on the worst part of the episode. Like, I'm sure there is somebody out there this is funny too, but I cannot fathom finding that funny. It get, but it's and it's not even that. Oh, that scene isn't funny, Matt. It's just it goes on forever. <laughs> it, does. It, it really does. It takes a long time and it muddies the water further because this is like, oh, he can't quit because Wiggum will make his life difficult, and you're like. This is where we're going with this episode 
This, I mean, it's one way you could go in this episode is, oh, Homer can't quit because uh, you, you could have a range of reasons. People are just throwing tons of money at him. Wiggum and you know, Fat Tony have uh, you know want him to do their their you know wives' hair, and they're threatening him if he doesn't. Like, there's lots of reasons he has to go on, kind of thing. You could have that be the reason, but there's also several other reasons. It's, it's weird. See here, Matt. I said it last week. I'm gonna say it again this week. Homer's already made the decision to quit. That is the interesting thing. Mm-hmm. the 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 interesting thing is not how does he escape. Like the like they treat this like it's a jailbreak, right? Like he has to escape this life some for some reason. And mm-hmm. what is interesting about that? Like he has to escape being in, in a salon. Like you just like one. It's not realistic. It doesn't. It feels so absurd to me. Like if you just quit, you just quit. Like I don't care how Wiggum, how annoying Wiggum is. You just quit your job. You just close and you stop. So Homer's already made the decision to quit. There's no more decisions to be made. It's just Homer being forced to do this job for some inexplicable for Wiggum making mosquito noises at him. I I can't. There's no humanity in this. There's no interest. There's no interesting character in this. There's no well, choices yeah, it's, to it's be made. Like, yeah, it feels like if you want this this whole thing that makes sense. You have to have something like a John wick situation or, uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) where people will not let Homer quit. Uh, like like I said, you need to have Homer want to quit until people, Oh yeah, I think I'm going to get out of the business. And then they're like, no, no, you can't. And you have Wiggum threatened to put him in jail. You have fat Tony threatened to do something to him. I I, I don't, I Matt. there's no, you can't sell this to me. This is, I hate this. This is boring. It's dumb. I don't want, I don't want an escape scene to get away from being a salon, cutting hair. If you want to do a a plot about Homer cutting hair, make it about that. Not to make it about John Wick. Like again, what are you doing? If you want to do it where Homer's trying to escape, like an, there are so many plots where Fat Tony and or Wiggum make Homer do things. Like, yeah. if you want to make Homer stuck in a job, oh, well, he has to because he needs the money. But they were, they're so far gone from the Simpsons paying bills. Like, that's not even a concern. They're not concerned about, like, who ca- Like, the family isn't concerned about making ends meet anymore. They haven't been for a very long time. But when you make an episode about, oh, he's stuck in this job, well, why? Oh, because Wiggum's going to mi- make mosquito noises? What is this? Homer's sad. He's he and he can't and like Lenny gives him the advice. Oh, you should do a bad job, and people will stop coming to you. And then Homer literally can't do a bad job. And you and and now I'm like, what is this? What is the conflict here? The conflict is Homer is like a haircutting robot all of a sudden. What like it's just all just nonsense from beginning to end. We have now cut back to the quote unquote B plot, which is Lisa looking at uh what is effectively MySpace. Taffy's MySpace page. And if you are a young person listening to us, MySpace was a social media site <laughs> back in back in the aughts. Uh, very popular. I remember I had a MySpace page, man. Everyone had a MySpace yeah, page back then. That's yeah. back before we, everyone soured on social media. I mean, it, it, it was before Facebook um, where you had your top eight friends and it was a competition yeah. to see who could get in there. But for all you young people who don't remember that, uh, that's what this what that that's what we see. Where Lisa's now looking into Taffy's MySpace, and is like stalking her, cyber stalking, and then going to decide to actually go out and follow her around. And again, we still don't know why. Really, like she's allude. They allude to like a uh, a fifth grade boy that Taffy might be interested in, and like it is setting up this idea. 
that Taffy is using Milhouse to per- perhaps make this other boy jealous, right? That's what I thought this was. I forget the kid's name, but he's on the he's on Taffy's MySpace page. Matthew? Yes. Yes, rich boy? You know what I'm talking about? I'm asking you questions. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Okay. I'm sorry, that did not seem like a question to me. Well, sometimes, you know, you can just, you can, you're allowed to just talk, Matt. Um, <laughs> you're allowed, this is your your podcast too. You're allowed to just talk at me. So Lisa is looking, and like, so I think, I'm in my head, I'm like, okay. So Lisa thinks that Taffy, and like, again, they don't spell this out. So I'm just like, I'm like pulling this together in my head. I'm like, okay, so Lisa thinks that Taffy is using Millhouse to get to this other fifth grade boy. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Lisa is smarter than this. That's what I don't get. Well, I, and I don't, but I also don't know, like, is Lisa being protective of Millhouse? All, or does she feel guilty for, like, does she feel guilty about turning him down? And so, and now she wants to protect him from being hurt more. Or is she jealous? Like, and me, and any of these could be interesting, but we get nothing. It's just scenes that are happening, and there's no, there's no like hints. There's no Lisa like talking about this with Bart. There's like we just have Lisa doing things, and you're like, well, this is not James Joyce, guys. This is The Simpsons. You have to be broader here. You have to fill in the gaps for us a little bit. This is not literary fiction. You have to like hint at why Lisa's doing things. She's gonna she puts on her boots. This is the only moment in this episode that I thought was like kind of cute because Lisa puts on her boots to go out uh and I guess stalk Millhouse and Taffy. And uh she asks if they're cute. And Bart goes, well, Once you get past the sister, they're okay. And you're like, oh, that's that's kind of sweet. Yeah, that that's it's it's not enough to like make you laugh, but it's a smile worthy. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's sweet. Um so we have Lisa investigating Taffy and the more of Homer breaking down where Marge decides to finally intercede. Hey, that's Taffy's page. Ooh, I see that she's in a relationship. Shut up. I just want to know what she's up to with Millhouse. A girl like her could get a fifth grader. Maybe even Kyle Lobianco. I hear he goes to California on his vacations. That's the first thing everyone knows about Carlo Bianco. Taffy's up to something. And I won't find out what it is sitting at a computer. It's time to get boots on the ground. You like my boots? Once you get past the sister ick, they're fine. <laughs> oh. oh, my poor homie. Oh. Oh. March, do you hear it? Listen, it's the hair. Growing, always growing. Blonde, brunette, auburn. This ends now. I need some highlights for a bridal shower. You can start with the rinse. Please, I'll even buy product. This was the part where I laughed, Robbie, at the, uh, I'll even buy product. Because I can't tell you how many times I have been asked to buy product. And I'm like, look at me. Do I look like I use anything in my hair? Who's ask? Are they really asking you to buy product, Matt? Oh, yeah. Who? Yeah, the great Who? clips are asking. You want to buy some? Matt, 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 Do you go to great clips? I do because I just are don't you care a baby? Are, are you like an eight-year-old boy? Like, that's what, that's where parent, mom, I have the haircut mom, of one. The Matt lore grows, people. The audience are the Matt lore. Matt goes to great, great clips, Matt. 
Go to a barbershop. Like, come on. Great clips? Uh, really? Too much work, too much money. Ex- too much money. It's how you look, Matt. It is like, it's it's good to like, like you know how he sees me, my wife, and you. <laughs> That's it. Matt, we're going to have to come have a come to Jesus moment with you. Like, I mean, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not. This. This is going to turn into like an intervention for Matt. Like, uh, you know how he needs to like have value and how he looks and like the way he looks. Uh, what's that? That's the men's warehouse, isn't it? Like, you're going to like the way you look. Um. Mm-hmm. So Lindsay Nagel's back, breaking into the Simpsons house, and that's the other thing. Like, why this also would make more sense as a B plot. Like, what are they? Are these people out of their minds? Like, they're breaking into people's houses in the middle of the night to get haircuts? Mm-hmm. Okay. Whatever. I don't... Like, what's the stakes here? Is it low? Is it, like, about Homer's sanity as a as a husband? Is it about... Is it this elevated insanity about, like, it's a John Wick situation where he has to escape? I don't know. I don't know. We go to our final commercial, 16 minutes and 33 seconds. Oh, boy. Do we ever. Uh, we come back. Uh, we see Milhouse and Taffy are out for a hike, and Lisa is following them. Uh, she originally comes on uh, lunch lady uh, Dora and Mole Man, who are apparently trying to patch up their relationship. Uh, and she walks away from them. Uh, sees Mo also spying on people and dresses a bush, which creepy. That's that's great. Uh, but eventually she finds Millhouse and Taffy and they almost immediately uh, recognize her. Lisa? Ugh, not her again. Yeah, Lisa. Can't you leave me alone? We're over. You're not over. You never were. Milhouse, you're a great guy, but we're not going to work out for one reason. Is it because when I wore cuffed pants, they filled up with leaves? That wasn't a great day for us, but it's because you'll always be in love with her. He likes his apple pie warm and his a la mode cold. Good luck. You don't want me to be with you. You don't want me to be with someone else. How miserable do I have to be before you're happy? I, I need it. Oh. Lisa, does this mean you like me? Yes. No. I don't know. It means that that life is full of things, and you should never give up. And you're cute in the moonlight. No. Everything's coming up, Millhouse. At the end, there, Millhouse fell off a cliff and was rescued by an eagle that he then rides. Like what? What? I, I, Matt. I have I in our notes. I went. I have Taffy genuinely likes Millhouse? Question mark. What is the point of this? Question mark. Lee, Lisa likes Millhouse now. Millhouse rides an eagle? Question mark. Everything's a question mark. I have I have no idea what's <laughs> going on. What like so? We and and also we have this scene where Taffy's like we can never. So Taffy, I guess, does genuinely like Millhouse. Okay, that's not crazy. Like you could have like the big the a twist. It's not really a twist, a slight twist, where oh, Lisa's investigation into this reveals that oh no, Taffy just just likes Millhouse. That's it. There's no there's she's not doing for any other ulterior reasons. She just likes him, and this is all driven by Lisa being you know jealous or Lisa wanting to protect Millhouse after the her rejection of him and hurting him but 
Taffy's like, we'll never be together because you're still hung up over Lisa. And you're like, well, how, what? We didn't even see, we have literally seen zero scenes with Milhouse and Taffy together. And it's not like, so we don't know if Milhouse, we don't have no idea if like, did Mil, is Milhouse like constantly mentioning Lisa when they're talking? We don't know. We don't see it. So we don't know. And now Lisa likes Milhouse and just kisses him out of nowhere. What? What? How? Wh- yeah. Uh, where there's no there's no hints to this there's no foreshadowing there's no build to this there's no foundation like it just comes out of nowhere and you're like okay it ends out of nowhere and it, this is also the end of this plot guys where lisa kisses millhouse says she maybe likes him and then millhouse rides an eagle a giant eagle by the way it is yes that's giant, a huge a bird this is like friggin' the hot Lord of the Rings eagle to the rescue. That's immediately what I thought of, Matt. I thought immediately yeah, like, oh, this same. is a Lord of the Rings eagle. Uh, Frodo and Sam <laughs> need some help. Um, just fly it to Mordor. Yeah, uh, I. It's this is again this B plot. If it was gonna have an, you're immediately like, why is Milhouse riding an eagle? Why is Mil- Lisa like Millhouse? There's no hints to that. Like, if there were multiple scenes where Lisa's like, oh, maybe, like, her mincing over the fact that maybe she did miss Millhouse, or, oh, she actually does like him. She says she's, he says, she says he is cute in the moonlight. Have we ever, I'm, I'm, this is a serious question, Matt. In the entire run of the show up to this point, 22 seasons, has Lisa one time mentioned that she thinks Millhouse looks cute. Uh, never, ever, 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 ever. Not one time. I, I guess you, I, unless you want to count, like, there's, I think, are have we gotten to the point where they're together in the future yet? I don't believe so, no. I've, I lose track because we've, I've seen episodes after this where they were together in the future. And maybe they're together in the future in, 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 in flash forwards before this episode. I just don't remember or can't place it in the right order. But, as far as I know, child Lisa has never once alluded to liking Millhouse up until this point. And then suddenly she's like, no, I think you're cute. And I'm like, why now? Why are we revealing all of this now? I don't know. I don't know, Matt. This is the end of the B-plot. We don't have to worry about it, I guess. Thankfully, that's something at least, because we're going to go back to this I- insane A-plot and wrap it up pretty quickly. So, uh, speaking of which, we do exactly that. Uh, because next, we're at the policeman's ball, which apparently the entire town has been invited to uh which includes you know uh disco stew we've got uh sideshow mel doing the announcing with a bullhorn we've got crusty here with disco stew's girlfriend aha uh-huh. and then finally we get to homer and marge who immediately make a scene and pretty much shut the place down mr homer j and mrs marge bouvier simpson oh oh, oh. 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 hey move over large lad statue it's the eighth wonder of the Springfield world. You've outdone yourself, Homer. Oh, yes, ladies. I've outdone myself. Outdone myself by not doing it at all. Stop talking crazy talk. I'm afraid it's all too true. My wife has betrayed me with another hairdresser. <gasps> another hairdresser? Who is it? We must know. No, 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 no. Julio is my little secret. <gasps> I've said too much, Julio. That's right, ladies. 
and I never heard a complaint I didn't sympathetically clock to. That's how I roll. Okay, first five customers get a discount. Next five hear secrets about the first five. Come on, get in line. It worked perfectly. As if anyone but you can make me feel this beautiful. Oh, sweetie. Thanks for saving me from the horrible life Warren Beatty lived in shampoo. Now it's time to pay you back. So there's a lot of things here, Robbie. <laughs> First of all, there's the complete... Oh, Homer is now out of this plot entirely by pretending that someone else did Marge's hair. Very transparently, uh, of course. Uh, but also... This whole, oh, uh, you know, I, I get out of the lifestyle that Warren Beatty lived in shampoo. Is that supposed to be a clever reference? Because it, it's not. Like, that's, that's, that's a bad reference. That's, it's completely lazy and pointless. I mean, I, it is, I don't know, Matt. It is clearly referencing the film, but it is, I, I don't, see, that's the thing. We're, it's it just perplexing. You're like, I, like, okay, is, are, is that all this is? Like, this entire time you're just like, oh, well, we're just going to make it, like, even though that, I, I don't know. I don't know, Matt. Like, what is this? What, like, are we supposed to care about this at all? I wish I could tell you. I have no idea. It's just so quickly wrapped up. This whole A-plot of Homer being a, a hairdresser is just... Why? Why bother? I don't, I, I, I don't get why you even bother with this. Well, like, they, I think they do an adequate enough job of selling Homer as being overwhelmed by this new role. But the way yes. that everything else spins out of it is inexplicable and confusing. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why the town won't let him quit, right? Like, what world is this? Where are we? Like, I guess it's the world of giant eagles uh, saving Millhouse. We see Homer's brain pop out of his head early on in the episode as well. He cuts through bridge, a bridge uh, supports with hair cutting scissors. Um, so, like, there is, like, this elevated, absurd cartoon action. But also, we have this a lot of scenes where Homer just being overwhelmed. And they're genuinely... I think affecting to Edis to a certain extent, they worked on me enough where I went, Oh, if they kind of build this, it would be good. But then Homer can't quit the job. And then it becomes like, Oh, we need a way to him get to escape it. And the escape is, Oh, there's another stylist in town. Is that it? That's what this is. That's the way out is, Oh, Julio exists. You're like, well, yeah, Julio has exist. Yeah. We've known that. Yeah, Julio's been in The Simpsons for a while now, probably 10 seasons or almost 10 seasons at this point. And we've seen multiple scenes of him cutting Marge's hair. Um, is that is that a mystery to the rest of the, Like, it's just mind-boggling. I'm like, oh, that's the way Homer is going to find peace again. And also, like, does the power plant not care that Homer's now just a hairstylist? I guess not. Not so, something would not been mentioned at all in any of the, in this entire episode. Is not like, oh... Homer theoretically has a job, right? Not mentioned once. There's not even a scene or even a cutaway gag to like Homer shirking duties at the plant. Nothing. It is just Homer has a new job now. The plant job is, I guess it'll be wait for him when he's back because that's how they treat it. You know, there's no, they've, they, it has gotten to a point, Matt, where they don't even bother because that the form of the form of the Simpsons at this point, right? Like not not just 
oh, we don't write episodes that reference it anymore. Now it's just The Simpsons, the form of it is we, it is expected that you don't expect us, us being the creatives of the show, to even bother setting up the foundations of Springfield as like Homer is a guy who works at the power plant or the Simpsons are a family that pay their bills. Mm-hmm. They don't even, they don't care. They don't bother. It doesn't no, matter because anymore. It's not, it's not interesting anymore to them. They, they, they don't like having bounds on their storytelling. So they just give up <laughs> on it. Matt, that's very kind of you. I would not, there's <laughs> nothing in this episode that I would describe as storytelling. It, it, it is very bland and it has, there's some elements here where if you reshape them and reform them, they would be good, but, or could be good, but they don't tell a story. What's the story? What's the story of this episode, Matt? Break it down for me. Tell me. Give me in, in three sentences. Tell me what the story of this episode is. Ooh, uh, I, I have no, I, in three sentences, I don't know that I can. It's Homer, uh, the, the town discovers Homer has a talent for uh, cutting women's hair and drives him to insanity with it before he finally escapes. And Millhouse gets a new girlfriend, but gives her up because Lisa might like him. That sounds like an exciting story <laughs> filled with fun and, and adventure and jokes, Does right? It, no, but... it doesn't. And what I mean, you, I don't think you could adequately. There's no story here. This, like, there's no. You, you write a story from beginning to end. It has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. It's not complicated. Mm-hmm. This episode has things that happen in the beginning, things that happen in the middle, and things that happen at the end. But it does not tell a cohesive story from beginning to end. It's just stuff happening around Homer getting a job as a stylist because that's all they wrote. I, I they're just like, oh, Homer. They get uh, they got to the beginning of Act Three and Homer's quitting the job, and they went, oh, we can't have that. We needed this to go full twenty minutes. Uh, actually, it needs to go eighteen minutes because the intro is a minute longer than normal. Uh, how do we do that? Oh, he can't quit. They won't let him. You're like, what? That's what reality is this supposed to resemble? I don't know. Yeah, this is this is not anything that would ever happen in real life. How does this episode end, Matt? Okay, so uh, they go home, and Homer washes Marge's hair and cuts it in the backyard, and it's very sweet. And I feel like they wanted this to be okay. Here you go. We want a sweet, you know, kind of a smarmy ending. Not smarmy. Um, like a happy ending kind of thing. And that's the end. It is very sweet to see Homer wash Marge's hair, but it is not earned. <laughs> nope. I think what I take away from this episode, Matt, is that the rest of season 22, the vast majority of it, has been mm-hmm. so bad that this feels good by comparison. It does. It really does. But it's still not good. It is still a bad episode of The Simpsons, but... It's so it's still better than season twenty two because season twenty two on average is abysmal. This has moments where you go, "That's okay, that's all right, that's sweet, that feels like humanity." That Homer is not terrible in this. I'll give him that. Homer is not really obnoxious. I think that's the probably the high point of it is Homer feels closer to like early Simpsons Homer. Versus what he has become lately, which is just a bad joke factory. Yeah. Yeah. We will rank it at the end of the show. Robbie, is this episode broken? I, th- I think it is, Matt. I, yeah. I, I think it is. 
No, you were right the first time with that quick fix idea. Let's see. Quick fix. Quick fix. Uh-huh. Like, I can't say it's not. Well, it's not. It's it's broken, but it's like it's an easy fix. It feels like I think just, that's just I, a hair broken. I think that's the thing where it's not one of those episodes where I go, no, I'm not. I don't want to mess with this. I don't want to do this. This feels more like, oh well, like why didn't you just do that? You know, where you just it feels more simple. Like, oh well, you flip. I think we already said you flip the A and the B plots. You you make the hair cutting thing smaller, right? And and you if you want to make and you make it sillier and you just indulge in the silliness without indulging in Homer being beaten down and going insane. Like I think you focus more on the sillier aspects of it. I would focus if it's the B plot, I would make the hair cutting thing more about him unable to see him him kind of empathizing with the women more when they complain about their husbands. And he yeah. and when he goes to Moe's and he sees all of their problems. And then he starts realizing, like, oh, no, they're right. Yeah, all <laughs> well, these guys are really terrible. All <laughs> these guys have all these problems. And I, and I, then you can have a silly plot where Homer maybe talks to them about it or, you know, becomes kind of a, a you know, indulge, without having to worry about all this other nonsense. Um, and you don't have to answer as many questions about, like, how it fits into the life of the Simpsons, the family. If you just make it a B-plot, you make it a little bit sillier. Um, and the and you make the Lisa Milha stuff the a plot, and you make it make sense. <laughs> like either it is Le- does Lisa like Millhouse? That's the first question. Like is that is does Lisa like Millhouse? Yes or no? I mean that could be something you find out in the episode, but by the end of this episode, I feel like we should know. No, I think the writers should know from the get go if Lisa likes Millhouse or not. And why she's doing what she does. Like having a, where, oh, Millhouse makes a, a, a big plea, like, oh, I love you, et cetera. That's embarrassing. And he's hurt in public, rejected. That's fine. But it, does Lisa reject him because she's embarrassed that she likes him? Like, because he's a nerd? Or, which doesn't make any sense really for Lisa. Lisa generally does like, she liked Langdon Auger. We're going to get back to Langdon Auger. Like, yeah, she doesn't, I don't think she's ashamed of liking nerds. So is it, oh, she doesn't want him to be hurt again. So she's like investigating Taffy to make sure that she's not using Millhouse. I don't know. It doesn't necessarily, there's not necessarily one prescribed answer, but it all, all the things in your episode should point towards a sim, one thing. You should not be having like a bunch of different, like, oh, well, why is she, She's doing this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And then Taffy has this weird thing where she's like, oh, we can't be together because Melhouse still likes Lisa. You're like, oh, is that true? Yeah. Is that true? I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. No. And hey, can we not have a homework cut down a bridge? Can we not have Melhouse ride an eagle? Like, (sighs) yeah, I just it's one of those things where we're occasionally okay with something wacky happening, but. Like I, I get that this is animation and you want to do all the crazy things that uh, you think one are funny and two you can do because of animation, but try and resist. Like King of the Hill kept it up for 13 years, and I feel like The Simpsons did almost that long before they went really into the wackiness. Like you can keep it, you know, relatively realistic. I, you can do wacky jokes about Homer with scissors running down the street, Matt, and there's lots of things he could cut through that yeah. would be legitimate things you cut through with scissors not a 
bridge pylon or whatever it was, like which are woven steel cables. And you're like, and all that is a payoff for, wow, these scissors are strong. <sighs> really? The best they can do, I guess. And then you have this big moment, right, where Lisa and Milhouse are actually like, oh, they like each other and they kiss. And you're like, that's sweet and really big character arc and big thing that's been. And then Milhouse falls off a cliff and saved by an eagle. And you're like, you're, do you not understand? You can't just have that. Why? Okay. All I'm thinking immediately, I'm like, I'm both confused by Lisa suddenly kissing Milhouse, but now I'm just like, wait a minute. What? Milhouse is riding an eagle. Okay. But I, I don't know. I, again, Matt, it doesn't seem that the this just feels like again this episode feels like they there is maybe maybe not even a second draft on it, <laughs> maybe a second draft. Yeah. This this one does feel like they maybe did one pass, but there's not a lot there. Uh, this is not tight. This is not tight writing. It's underwritten, uh, extensively extensively underwritten. Uh, we can move on. To our next segment, it's time for comments from the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Uh, comments from the news group is where I ask our patrons over there at patreon.com slash The Simpson Show to leave a uh, review of the episode as they watch it. Uh, appreciate everyone who took the time. Uh, first from Tim. This is a classic example of a flawed yet fixable episode. After a couple of weeks with intros that were either short or non-existent, we get a whopper of an extension. I immediately thought, oh no, this is going to be rough. But that didn't happen. Actually, I thought it suffered from having too much to explore as it felt rushed. First off, the Millhouse, Christian, Shaw, Lisa story is deserving of its own plot. Second, I did like the women in Hummer's shop provide us with a lot more character development regarding their spouses that I think we've had in the last dozen seasons. I laughed a couple of times, particularly with respect to Homer cutting down the bridge and then commenting, those are some powerful scissors. Oh, Tim, we've lost you. His egg, egg council's gotten you, too. <laughs> it's fine. Boy, did it feel rushed. Homer, of course, has no challenges setting up the shop and burned out warp speed, even for him. No explanation as to how it affects his job at the power plant. I think that's how one might fix this. Have, have Homer sneak out at lunch to do his other job, get caught, and somehow somebody would have the idea of having a shop on the site, which would help develop the power plant, becoming something of a shopping mall, of course, having everything fall apart. Number 312, canon due to the above, and the fix is above. From Derek... It's another in the latter-day Simpsons roster of Simpsons become instant talent at something. Really struggle to see what the point of this was. Like, was this really all in service of a completely unironic women do be gossiping a lot? Am I right? Message. This was 2011, but what era were the writers stuck in? And questions marks and question marks just flag up every turn. Like, why does Hemmert care so much that he knows all the facts about the husbands of Springfield? As though he can't look at them anymore. What would Homer care? Barely interacts with these people. It's bizarre. So this week's in specific B-plot, I mean, it's exhausting how vapid these are. Another girlfriend of the week composed of 100% cardboard. Why does she like Millhouse? Why does she break up with him? Who is she? Why any of this? Oh, I'm so sick of this. Hadn't seen this ever before. I went into it with complete optimism, but really, I don't know why I bothered. I mean, I, I feel like that optimism should be tuned down a lot. Yeah, don't. Uh, in season no, no, yeah, don't. I, Derek, that's. I mean, it's nice that you have a hope still in your heart, but it's probably safer just to silo that off for a little bit until The Simpsons proves otherwise. Uh, from JJ, on paper, the idea of Homer becoming a hairdresser, being driven crazy by women bad mouthing their husbands, sounds cringe and irony. But in practice. It still is. However, the episode doesn't have some things going for it. It gets to the plot relatively quickly. Homer isn't as as obnoxious as usual. There are a few smiles. And the ending where Homer washes Marge's hair is a sweet moment. They don't undercut. We don't get many of them these days. Still a pretty thin and uninteresting story, though. 
They should have made at least a Millhouse story the A-plot as it needed more time, but as, as it's underdeveloped, which means I struggled to care about what was happening. Overall, for season 22, this is far from the worst we've had. You can say that again. Uh, from Joshua, probably going against the grain with this one, but I kind of like this episode. Definitely feels rushed throughout. It doesn't really have an ending as much as it just stops. But while the episode feels very low stakes, I think Homer's inner conflict is relatable enough that I understand where he's coming from. Plus, he doesn't act like a huge jerk. Lisa's stuff is strange. Yeah. And I think that 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 is as much like the they just like the a plot at least the the haircutting stuff does have an ending. It's not very good, but it does end. Like the episode last week, it didn't have an ending. It just stopped happening. Like we didn't mm-hmm. never found out what happened with Pat, Fat Tony. Like and like <laughs> I guess the the, the war <laughs> between the their his wish, mistress and wives and whatever's going on like. At least this has an ending, sort of. I don't know. That's it for uh, Comics and News Group. Thank you all for watching the episode and reviewing it. I appreciate all the time it takes. I understand more. I think we understand more than anyone how much effort it takes. We can move on to our next segment. It's our for listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow. KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog. We have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener question of the week this week is, what is your favorite Fat Tony episode? Um, thank you all for answering. Appreciate it. Uh, Matt, take it away. All right. First up from Dara, a Bart the murderer will always be my best fat Tony episode, but season 33's a made Maggie is my favorite. Maggie is my favorite character. The mafia jokes aren't too over the top and it's a cute, fun episode. I didn't expect the Simpsons to bust out at this point in time. Yeah. Season 33 is when it started getting halfway decent again, at least for some of the episodes. Uh, next up from Andy, hands down, it's Bart the Murderer. It also brings us back to season three when the show was actually good. Oh, sad but true. Uh, from Joshua, the answer is probably Bart the Murderer, but I'm going to have to go with the twisted world of Marge Simpson, mainly for the line, I'm afraid I must insist. You see, my wife, she has been most vocal on the subject of the pretzel monies. Where's the money? When are you going to get the money? Why aren't you getting the money now? And so on. So please, the money. <laughs> You do. Oh, you Derek. do. A pre- you do a pretty good, Tony. Uh, uh, a fat Tony, man. So uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, from uh, Derek, as did before me. While his debut in Bart the Murderer is probably the objective answer, my heart lies with the Twisted World. Joe Montana is an absolute tour de force in this one, delivering every line so pitch perfectly that they're bound to replay in your head from time to time. Don't pretend they don't. You big geek. <laughs> All right, Derek, you got us. Jeez. Uh, and the pure menace yet simultaneous hilarity he brings is wonderful. But actually, the whole episode is really good, isn't it? It's quite overlooked, but every scene is actually great when you think about it. From the catty investor rest to the casual fleet of Peter racism. Great stuff. Uh, from Aaron, Homie the Clown has become one of my favorite episodes because it cracks me so consistently up, to coin a phrase. <laughs> Uh, from Tim, my favorite Fat Tony episode would be Bart the Murderer, another golden era Simpsons effort that I frequently quote. I tried making a game of it. I counted how many times I could bounce a basketball in an hour. Then I tried to beat that record. Sounds like a pretty crappy game, Seymour. And you're right, that is a crappy game. Uh, and finally, from Gons of the Great 93, Homie the Clown. Whoa, I'm seeing double here. Four crusties. Robbie, what is your answer? I do I do quote that so much. The I'm seeing double here. Four crusties. I'm seeing double here. <laughs> so much. Uh, even, like, just inexplicably. It's, it's, and to, no one ever knows what I'm talking about. They're like, what you, like, But it's so perfect because it, it subverts it, it expectations so well. Like, you think halfway through the line you know where it's going, and then it goes in a completely opposite direction. And that's the kind of jokes they don't spend time on anymore. Um, Social World March Simpson is my answer. 
again, it is very quotable. I I mean, I referenced it in this uh, today's episode because I do. I I love the episode, but also I I like the role Fat Tony takes in it. Um, because Fat Tony's never not never, but he's largely not going to be a character that's going to be uh, dynamic, right? He's going to stay Fat right. Tony even when he dies. They still make fat. He's still fat Tony, even when they make fit Tony fat Tony. Um, mm-hmm. So when you use him in a very creative, kind of creative way, I, the gang war at the end is also a lot of fun with the Yakuza. It's, you know, the pretzel monies, of course. <laughs> Matt, what's your answer? Uh, so I, I kind of have to go with Bart the Murderer as like the best Tony episode. But my favorite is probably actually a trilogy of error. I really appreciate his role in this episode. It's kind of minimal, honestly, but I appreciate what they do in that episode. It, it kind of drives the plot along towards the end. Him and the rest of the, the gangsters. It's fun. It's a fun, that's a fun episode, especially mm-hmm. for it's a high super high quality for when it happened even. You're like, "Wow, how yep. do they If we've got a trilogy, man, I, if we got an episode that's that quality in this season 22, I would jump for joy. Oh my god, yeah, I'd right. Be so happy. Um next week's question what is your favorite Christian Shaw project? I say the word project because obviously she's been done a lot of television as well uh, as films. So what's your favorite? Pick one. It's going to be a tough one. I don't think it's that tough for you, Matt, but maybe it is. I think hey. I already know your answer. But um, I'll post this on uh, – uh, where do I do it? I do it on Patreon. Uh, post a question publicly. I post it on our subreddit, which is R The Simpson Show. Um, and I, you can always email us at simpsonsrepod at gmail.com if you'd like uh, to get it directly to me. I do my best to compile all of those things every single week. Uh, so, yeah. Appreciate if you t- appreciate all y'all who answer. Can't move on to our next segment. It's time for, for the No Google Trivia Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. The No Google Trivia Challenge is for Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions. One easy, one medium, and one hard. And try and stump the other. I have a nine-point lead on Matthew. Wow. And it is by far the biggest lead I've ever had on Matthew this late in a season. And we only have three episodes to go, including today. So I just have to be careful and clever. And that's hard to do. But I'm gonna do my best. <laughs> uh huh. Matt, you're you're ready for an easy question? Ooh, as ready as I'll ever be. In Brawl in the Family. Oh God. Who comes back to pay the Simpsons a visit? Oh, uh, that is his uh, Vegas wife. Oh God, what is her name? What's her name? Um, would you accept Vegas wife or do I need an actual name? I want you to say the actual name, Matt, but I don't. I probably will give you the points if you just say Vegas Wives. But I want okay, you to try okay. and think I of I it. Get it. I think I can get it. Okay, it is. Um, oh, what is her name? What is her name? Uh, it's not Tammy. It's um, <laughs> Ginger. It's one of them. Okay. No, Ginger. Ginger is Ned's wife. This is Floozy. Um, uh, I I don't know uh, Amber yeah Amber. you got oh, okay. it that's it Amber and Ginger the Vegas that's Wives it's an easy question huh Yikes. I mean right. that uh, the easy question is it, anybody who watches the episode if you watch the episode you could easily answer that question 
I mean, that's fair. That's fair. And, and Vegas Wives, I would All give right. you a point for. I think that's good enough. Like, everyone knows what, you, what you're talking about if you say Vegas Wives. Yeah. So. All right. Your easy question. What animal wanders into the Simpsons neighborhood that prompts panic and an outcry about illegal immigrants in Butcha Poo about nothing? That'd be a bear. You are correct, sir. We're here. We're queer. We're queer. We don't, we don't, we don't want, want any, any more, more bears. bears. <laughs> your medium question, Matt. Who provides the voice of Gabriel, the social worker? Oh, that's outside the episode. What do you mean that's outside the episode? Who provides the voice? Who voices um, the character? That's not a crazy question to ask, Matt. I'm sorry that, that you... That you, doesn't come from the actual episode. What are... Are you... It is in the credits, Matt. It is in the episode. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, you you lunatic. Where I, if I ask you who who voices Lisa, is that a ridiculous question? Because that's not in an episode. Well, no, technically. because he's a regular cast member. He has a velvety voice, Matt. How could you forget his name? He does. That's true. Um, I have no clue. This is easy compared to some of my medium questions lately. Okay, to be perfectly fair. If you fair. say so. Delroy Lindo. Who is Delroy Lindo? You don't... Man. You don't know Delroy Lindo? Yes, you do. No, I don't. If you, I want you to go to IMDb right now and type up, type Delroy Lindo. Come on, you can do it. Come on. Oh, that guy. Okay, okay. Do you know Delroy Lindo? Right. He's in a million things. He is, but I didn't know his name. Okay. And fair. also, the for a long time, I didn't realize it, but there was educational software I played like edutainment software i guess i played as a kid when i was like 10 and i played the hell out of it i played it so as like the only game i had at the time for like a long time because we had money so it was the only thing i had and it had a guy it had a, a narrator right who read all these facts about life and he was like it asked you questions and you have to do trivia and all that stuff about science and world geography and all that and it's like this guy's voice and I, i'm like who is that i'm like i was for the longest time i'm like who is that guy's voice it's delroy lindo well there you go talk to me when i was a little kid teaching me stuff it was great what's my medium question all right your medium question uh mayor quimby proposes a proposition to get rid of illegal immigrants what number is that proposition is it just a number it's just a number okay you know what, Apu? I'm gonna. I'm really gonna miss you. I'm really gonna miss you. <laughs> no, on. I like. I, I'm waffling between two numbers. Six. It's proposition twenty-four. Twenty-four. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're a hard question, Matt. In Brawl in the Family, who is at the Republican Party meeting at the beginning of the episode? Okay, in this episode, Republican Party meeting, uh, it is going to be, they always have uh, Dr. Hibbert, uh, Mr. Burns, uh, Smithers, and is, is there just by proxy, essentially. Krusty uh, is always there. The rich Texan is always there. Um, the Count Chocula, I believe. I, I think that's who it is. Uh, or just, maybe it's a vampire in general, but I'm pretty sure it's Count Chocula. Um... Pretty sure this one has Bob Dole in it. Uh, who else is there? Um, I'm going to give you... you, uh, Ralph, you oh, Ralph Nader. Ralph Nader, because they say he's done enough. Um, okay, Matt. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you one more guess. You have one more name you get to say. One more name. Okay. Uh, is this the one with the Strom Thurmond animatronic? I'm not, 
I'm just gonna okay, I'm going to say Strom Thurmond. That's my final. That's my final answer. Give you answers. Um, the, the, here you you kind of just listed a bunch of things. Uh, s- some of them are right. Um, Burns is there. I didn't count Smithers. Okay. Smithers doesn't. I don't like. He he probably is there in the background somewhere, but I don't count because uh-huh. he's not in the meeting. But Burns, Ralph Nader is there. There is a vampire. It is just Dracula. <laughs> Oh, it's just Dracula. It's not Count Dracula. It's not Count Dracula. <laughs> oh, that, the... that's from the Sugar episode. That's right. That's right. It's just Dracula. Uh, Krusty is there. Rich Texan is there. Bob Dole is there. But Dr. Hibbiter is not there. And Rainier Wolfcastle is there. Oh, Rainier Wolfcastle, of course. He's always there. So you, get, you, got, Schwarzenegger you, got, you got like four out of seven. I'll give you a point for that. Thank you for your generosity. Uh, you got to give you a point. All right. You want me to take away your point? No, no. Oh, I'm okay. Good, I'm good. I'll take it away if you don't like it. Considering you answered, you right, gave Robbie. me multiple wrong answers. And on the way to that, your circuitous path okay. is, is a strong Vampire therm- slash Count Chocula. <laughs> and who did I say that was? Oh, Dr. Hibbert's, uh You didn't say so. Is, uh, is Count Chocula technically Not a vampire? Is Count Chocula a vampire? He is canonically a vampire. Okay. Yes. Canonically. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, your hard question. Mm-hmm. What college did Apu go to in America? Didn't he go to... I don't know if that's from that episode, but I want to say he went to MIT. Is that your final answer? I think so, yeah. I'm sorry, he went to the Springfield Heights Institute of Technology. Oh, right. Isn't there another episode where he, they say he went to MIT? I'm pretty sure there is a, a different one, yeah. Was it, which, is that the one where he's a bachelor? Yes, he's got a doctorate from MIT. Doctor from MIT, yeah. <laughs> he's in Springfield. <laughs> Boo. Come on, man. You can go. You can do better than that. Um, will you close the gap on me this week? Uh, this week, Matt. Yeah, by one point. I mean, you sh- maybe you should have tried harder earlier than this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> I mean, there's a couple weeks in a row where I got zero points, Matt, and you didn't make up ground. You know. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Delroy Lindo. That's not in the episode. I love Delroy Lindo. He's a great character actor. Um, he really is great. Um, that's it for trivia. We can move on to our final segment. The segment we had every single episode with. It's time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part of the show where man I rank the episodes categorically. As you watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are. <sighs> I have no idea how to rank this thing. It's tough because it's very mediocre. It's going to be somewhere in the middle, but as for where, I'll... it's this. I'm looking in the three seventies is where I'm starting, Matt. With maybe the three sixties, it could theoretically get the there, maybe. Long. But I see Mommy a hard. Beerist, okay. I see a hard line is Homer and Lisa exchange crosswords. This is, is a million times better. This than is that, right? that episode is better than this one. So that is me going like I, mean, I know right, it. Right I, beneath that one is stealing first base, which is about the one where kissing gets outlawed. I don't even remember that, man. I honestly, I bear, that's all I remember about that episode. There's also Millhouse of Sand and Fog below that, and the good, the sad, and the drugly. That one. Here I'm looking at. Here we go. Funeral for a fiend. That's number 379. That's a Bob episode. Maybe the worst mm-hmm. Bob episode or one of the worst Bob yep. episodes. I think this is better than – I think it's worse than that. I think Fiend, I'd rather watch Funeral for a Fiend again. Um, yep. Burns and the Bees, I think this is better than that. I think this is better than Birds and the Bees. Birds, bees. 
better than No Alone Again. Naturally, better than Thursdays with AB. Um, mm. Probably, I think this is better than Wedding for Disaster. Better than Boy Meets Curl. This is better than last week, so it's better than Real Housewives yeah. of Fat Tony. Um, I think this is better than Donnie Fatso. Better than Mo Letter Blues. Yeah. The Fight Before Christmas. What's The Fight Before Christmas? I don't remember that one. <laughs> I mean, it's uh it's the it's the 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 Martha Stewart, Katy Perry Christmas dreams thing. Oh, yeah, that one was it's strange. That was okay. It's fine. It is it's just like it has the Muppet stuff is fun. I really like the Muppet stuff. That stuff saves a lot of it. Yeah. Um it's I think it's comparable how I feel between the two of them, between this one and that one, where I go, it's fine, it has problems, it's strange. I think honestly, I think this is worse than the fight before Christmas. That's what I was gonna say, because I, I like the trilogy episodes when at least one of them is good, and I think that one had at least one good one and one mediocre one in it. So I would say this is slightly worse than that. Right. This thing has moments in it where you're like, Oh, that's fun. And then the rest of it you're like, What's going on? <laughs> why why why? Why are they doing this? I don't know. I mean it's not you know, like it's considering like we just did the strangling strangling episode right and that is the third from the bottom which is 455 right 455 i can't believe there's that many and that's 70 basically below where we are with this episode so that gives you the the range right where this episode is not good but it is that's how bad it can be 70 episodes worse so mm-hmm. it's not that bad I think most of these episodes in this area are just like they're weird and awkward. They're relatively watchable. Like you're not suffering when you're watching them, but you're also like confused largely. Um, So that puts Homer Scissorhands. What a terrible title. Yeah. Like not even a single Edward Scissorhands reference in the entire thing. I mean, Homer does make a non-scissorhands joke where he calls himself Homer Fingerhands. Fingerhands, yeah. And like in a way that it's a, it's it's like a non-reference, and you're like, okay, is that why they call it Edward Homer Scissorhands? Right. Like, there's like if you're gonna make it like shampoo, why wouldn't you call it something like? Why well, wouldn't you just do that? Like, make a funny shampoo joke. I don't know. Um, it's number 381 on our list. The new number 190 on our post-Golden Years ranking. Um, we're not done, Matt, though. We're not done. We're almost done. But we have one more thing no. to do. One more question to answer. And that question is, do we shoot this episode out of the cannon? The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! See, Matt, coming into this episode, before we recorded the podcast, I, I mean... I was thinking, maybe we spare it. You know, maybe we don't fire mm-hmm. the cannon. Maybe today we keep it. Like, is anything in this super offensive? Like, is it super like, oh, we need to get it rid of it? But I'm more waffling now. As oh, really? Why are, you, why are you waffling more? I don't know. I think whenever we end up talking about this thing for over an hour, I always <laughs> end up. I always end up going like, oh, is this really necessary? Do we need to include this? Like, what's in this that's, like, 
that needs to be discussed, right? What needs to be included in the Simpsons canon? I mean, I, that goes to the, the core. Are we keeping things in the canon unless they're so bad we don't want them there? Or are we only keeping things in the canon that we feel add something? I, I feel I want to have like, a, I'd, I'd rather be more inclusive than exclusive, right? Like if, if, if it's on, if we're on the fence about something, I'd rather keep it than get rid of it all entirely. And there are it, things in here that I like, and there's like ideas in it that I like, but almost none of them are executed well. And that's where I'm like, I, I could probably just point out a better episode that does similar ideas well, and just say that look at that one instead of this one. And like, and I don't like, I don't know, the Lisa Milhouse stuff feels important, right? It feels like, oh, that's interesting, but they don't develop it at all. So you're just confused. The Homer stylus stuff could be good, but they develop it strangely. Yeah. I think we keep it. I think we don't fire the cannon. Like, I'm really on it. Yeah, I'm... I mean, it's it's skating the line, honestly, because there's nothing really great about this. But I think the, as much as I hate to say it, the Lisa Millhouse stuff is almost enough to make it worth keeping just because, oh, this is a sign that maybe Lisa does like Millhouse a little bit. And like, yeah, and there's like interesting things around that. Like, I, I find there's scenes in this that I think are really good. Like the scene, like that, again, that scene where Homer's cutting the lady's hair and there, and we get like this, this transition between different women as, and it's a blur to him because it's just, you know, it's his job and he's just in and out, women in and out, in and out. He doesn't really, you know, get, um, he doesn't remember all this because it's just his job and like that's really good and i think that's the thing that sticks with me i'm like yeah there's enough of that to keep it around i think you save it just for those things at least the millhouse stuff maybe that you can that's worth looking at again um so yeah we don't fire the cannon at least for that episode um we are going to answer the same question about every episode on the list as we work our way down from the top catching up for the when we didn't have the cannon you know we always didn't we didn't always have a cannon matt <laughs> You know, we bought <laughs> a true. cannon. The, the cannon was a late addition. We uh, it fell off the back of a ship. <laughs> uh, we're at number one fifty seven on the list, which is Bart the Lover. Oh, we definitely. That's one of my favorite episodes. We are not getting rid of that. Bart the Lover is good. It's very. It's good. I think it's. It. it I think I, this is my recollection of this, Matt. And we recorded that episode probably seven years ago. <laughs> so take this all with a grain of salt. I've not re-listened to it probably in those seven years. Um, I think it. On retrospect, when we rewatched it for the podcast, we were a little, it's a little more, it's very easy to remember that with nostalgia because it's a season three episode and it's, you know, the earlier episodes are the ones that you end up seeing the most because they've been around longer. And I think it is not as tight and as good as you remember it being when you take a very analytical eye to it. It is still good. It's still funny, but it's not, I, I think it's, there's a reason it's a number 157 and it's not, you know, a number 43 or something. Also, I think there was a little bit of, I think we were a little hesitant because of like, you know, Bart romancing a teacher. Just, that is a little weird. Yeah. yeah but like yeah, when yeah. you go back and think about it, it's like, that is the kind of thing Bart does it in that episode. Uh, kind of accidental he's trying to be mean uh but in the end he realizes that uh, this is this is bart 
realizes that he has empathy for another human being. I know that's hard to imagine in this day and age in season 22, but it happens. No, way back it does. And it's also, I think, a little dry. I think there's not a huge... I mean, it's a very... It's kind of a sad episode, to be perfectly honest. Like, it's it's a, basically like a, 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 a... It's all focusing on how Edna's lonely, <laughs> right? And you're kind of like, oh, that's sad. Um, but it's still good. And it still obviously stays in the canon. Yeah, of course. Bart Lover stays in the canon. Of course it does. Next week's episode, Matt. Uh, we only have a couple episodes to go in season 22. Thank the Lord. Um, and this is 500 keys. 500. The Simpsons discover a collection of keys to every door in Springfield. Interesting. And they find a weird mystery about kids on bus 23. I, what is going on? And, and Hank Scorpio's in this. Apparently. Okay. I did not realize that Hank Scorpio ever came back. Uh they said it says he's in here. So um I'm curious. I'm curious. I want it to be good, Matt. Right? Let's I, hope. I want it to be good. That's next week. Uh you can find all this stuff on our website, it's the Simpsonshow.com. Find the list on the the list is on our website, along with links to the you know, the places you can find us online and our social media and all that stuff. Um you can find me online on uh, the, under my name, basically in every form of social media there is. It's Robbie Dorman. My website is RobbieDorman.com. Um, you can find links there to purchase my novels, my horror novels. My newest is called Dead End. You can pre-order it now. It's a zombie story, late stage capitalism meets zombie story. Um, I'm really excited to get it out into y'all's hands. We're, we're counting down the days. It's only like a, a week and a half, basically 10 days before Dead End comes out. Um, I appreciate everyone's pre-ordered already. If you haven't, go ahead, go get it. It helps me a lot. Uh, pre-orders uh, and early reviews are very, very important for independent authors. Um, so I appreciate everyone who does that. Uh, you, you're all the best. Matt does not participate in social media. You will not find him. Uh, that is accurate. I spend all of my time taking care of kittens, which I'm actually about to go do because the room they're in is disgusting because it's been <laughs> like eight hours since I cleaned. So why not more of that? But you can see the most adorable kittens in the world at Kitten Turns, K-I-T-T-I-N-T-E-R-N-S on Instagram. You can see the results of all the work I put in and, you know, tell them how cute they are and how great they are. And then possibly one day you can start looking after them, hopefully after they've learned to clean up a little bit. But that is what I spend all my time doing. With that, folks, we'll call it a day. I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. Thank you, Mr. Shh.